Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Todd. Yes. A loyal listener of the show had a really good question. Do people really change? Mm. This loyal listener was checking up on you. Making sure you're good at what you do. Kate was my wife. <laughs> Again, this, this loyal listener. Evolutionary-wise, she's concerned with your ability to provide and wants to make sure you're doing a good I'm job. doing a good job. Um, but I, I thought it was a really interesting question because obviously on the surface, of course people change, right? Well, of course. I, maybe but, not, obviously, because I've actually heard this question too. So maybe it's not as obvious as we think. But, I mean, people do things differently all the time. So we're always changing. You know, in very broad strokes, we're always kind of changing. But I think the, it gets at a more kind of fundamental tension of, in my mind, do people, and particularly from the viewpoint of therapy, people are trying to make significant, lasting changes in their life. And it's, mm-hmm. and as therapists, we sort of, our profession is, uh, hinges on the answer to that being hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's worth talking about. Well, and so, so when I heard this, that question, I, I thought you were referring to, do people change longstanding, maybe dysfunctional patterns of behavior? That could be part of it. Um, and I think when I've heard this question in the past, that's what I've kind of interpret it as meeting do, do people really change these these really pernicious thought patterns behavior patterns hmm. what's an example of that like can you what comes to, to mind when you think about that someone who's been chronically depressed you know since adolescence um and comes in in their 40s you know they've they've had a long 20 some years of of um struggling with their thoughts and and engaging in effective behavior patterns. And um, I think sometimes the question is, is it really possible for me to turn this around and to be happier? And yeah. And that's that's sort of the clinical version, I think, of this question. But but I think the broad, and we, we can focus on either or, but there's also the broader context of, I've heard this in terms of, um, y- you know, when people are thinking about um, getting married, for instance, it's not uncommon for someone close to them to say like, hey, you know, this person you want to marry, they've got this habit um, or this like personality trait that I know you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, that'll get better. And they'll say, but you know what? Jerks are jerks and people don't really change. People won't change. Yeah. So don't expect someone to change this um, mm-hmm. just because you're getting married. Or Does, it, does that make sense? Oh, like yeah, as yeah, a, yeah. a kind of version of that, do people really change? Well, question? you hear these warnings all the time, you know, if you, if you, you know, you know, you can't trust someone who's lied or, you know, um, yeah, once a liar, always a liar or something mm, like yeah, that, you know, right. where it's like, hmm, do people really not break habits that the, that are problematic? Yeah. And there, there's sort of a distinction between ha- like we've sort of been getting it like habits versus like personality traits. Mm-hmm. I've also heard this talked about in terms of specific behaviors. Like, um, if, if you're a smoker, you know, like, People, do people really change once you're a smoker, you know, 
Mm. But obviously people do quit smoking. Obviously. But it's also incredibly hard for a lot. Of, and some people never do. But then you get the personality thing, which is like, does smoking just get replaced with another habit? Um, yeah. And so I think this, it, 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 what we're kind of stumbling around here is what's the level on which we're talking about change? Are we talking about a, you know, a, a, an actual behavior? Are we talking about some sort of more widespread habit? Are we talking about a psychopathology? Are we talking about personality trait? Um, so it's a big, it's a big question. Do you have a place you want to start with that? Um, let's, let's take the depression one. So someone who struggled with a clinical issue, maybe they've been a, you know, a worrier their whole life, just chronic, really bad worry all the time, or they've, they've struggled with depression or addiction or some other kind of more clinical issue. Mm -hmm. What's your, how do you, a client comes to you and says, do people really change? What do you say? Yeah. How do you respond? Well, first, I'm going to go back general, and I'm going to say, broadly, just the answer is yes. People change in all ways, in all of them. Um, why? Uh, why? <clears throat> why is that your first response? There's evidence of change in all of those ways all over the place. You know, there's now will people? That's a different question. You know, mm-hmm. will someone? That's a different question. Can? Is it possible? Okay. Absolutely, yes, across the board. People so, change. So strategically, you go right to yes because it helps make that distinction between potential and actual. It's possible. Well, there's there's just evidence that people have changed all over the place. You know, I mean, you see evidence in people changing thought patterns, behavior patterns, um, habits. Uh, there's there's just proof that those things have people do change those things. What about personality? Do, pe- do people's personalities change? Yes. Really? Yes. But there's um, there's a difficulty level there, I think, that has to be accounted for. There are specific types of events that change personality. Trauma. Is it possible mm. for personalities to change? Yes. But, again, how often? Wait, what's how, an example? What do you, when you say yes, people's personality, what's an exa- give me an example of that. Um, somebody who's fairly outgoing and might be fairly, um, open to new experiences and extroverted can experience a traumatic event and become very shy and avoidant of people and interactions and close themselves off. That's completely possible. Hmm. And so trauma is, I mean, research shows trauma is one of those things that can change personality. Hmm. So there's a change. It may not be a positive change, but do personalities change? Yes. Um, okay. So if we take the, the depressed client who has maybe worried and, and, and worries, um, can that person, uh, change in, in, in therapy or in their life or through whatever process? And I would say, yes. Um, there is a really worn habit of maybe worry in their life or rumination in the case of depression, um, and they're, they may have a default kind of pull to ruminate at certain points in their, in their life. Um, but hopefully in therapy, they'll get better at relating to that experience, changing that experience. And it happens all the time. I mean, I, I wouldn't be, I mean, I'm in the business of change, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what, that's what I'm here for. So if I didn't think change was possible, um, man, I'd be one just frustrated person. So if you, if you're so confident in people's ability to change, why do you think this is an interesting question? What about the question makes it interesting to you? 
I, I think I think what people see sometimes on the outside, well, it, it's interesting because I think this question is part of pathology sometimes. You know, someone who's depressed, part of that is hopelessness. And so a question that often comes out is, I feel hopeless about that. And it's like, oh. can I even change? You know, is this even possible? So people you know? have a belief that they can't. This or is a sort fear. Of, or a, or yeah. a fear that like I'm not going to be able to ever shake this. Or, or Have you read the book Mindset? Carol Dweck. She's a psychologist at Stanford. Um, she wrote this pretty popular book, Mindset. But it's about this idea of beliefs about yourself being either fixed or fluid. And so she, like a, she did a lot of research with... Um, like young girls attitudes towards their math abilities. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just not a math person. Right. I'm just not good at math. And you know, that changes at like fourth grade or something. Doesn't it? Aren't most, most kids fairly. Oh, confident. In confident their, and then until, it, yeah, it takes yeah. a, it takes a dive. Yeah. Um, but she, she just talks about how, I mean, not only are these, these beliefs about the possibility for change a real thing like some people really do have these mm-hmm. very fixed mindsets that like, i am there yeah there's things yeah. about me that cannot change at all right um but then that those those beliefs not only are the the things themselves you can get better at math, you can be good at math but the belief about whether i'm good at math or not can change right and there are ways to kind of do that so mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. sorry that just made me think of that well i think as a therapist i'm just gonna and maybe it's naive. You know, I, I consider myself a stoic in a lot of ways, but maybe, maybe I'm an optimist in this way. In that, like, I, I would prefer to have a philosophy of change rather than not. Just in general, in life, like, are Stoics not optimistic? Is that a- <sighs> no? I, I guess I maybe I'm not. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, why do you say you're a stoic? Uh, because I, I definitely have um, a belief that that you kind of create your own world, you know, and and so as a as a maybe well maybe even as a stoic, I would just prefer to stay in a an internal world where change is possible. I, I don't see much utility in not believing in change <laughs> um, at all. Okay, what, but someone someone who had those beliefs would say. Well, who cares what the utility is? That's just true. It's just true. I mean, is this a client or is this just someone I'm... I mean, I think a lot of people think, I'm just not... I mean, I thought this for a long time. Like, I'm just not a math and science person. I'm mm-hmm. I'm an English and history person. I'm mm-hmm. good at those. Mm-hmm. I'm just not good at... I just don't know the gene, you know, whatever it is. Because it's hard. It's really hard. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, if... It's if, a fact. I'm just not good at it. And... and yeah, I don't know. To me, almost that's a a topic of I don't care, you know, whatever science or English or. But <laughs> if I was invested in that conversation, um, yeah, I would definitely try to suss out like, is this a belief you have about yourself that you're just not this, or is it more of a belief about your interests or uh, your abilities or. And, and how have you come to this conclusion and what evidence mm-hmm. do you have of this? And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I, and if you're a client, I, I, I definitely maybe wouldn't have you gather evidence, but I would just definitely question how that belief functions for you in your life. How does that help you or hurt you? Or is it advantageous mm-hmm. to believe that you're a crappy scientist? You know, so this, you're showing your colors as a, as a stoic, like th- this is the whole idea behind stoicism, right? Yes, is that your yes. beliefs about the world create your reality exactly. more than the world itself. Exactly. So it's important to examine 
our beliefs on a regular basis. I would I would much rather live in a completely delusional perception of myself as competent than, <laughs> <laughs> than a reality where I'm not. <laughs> Better outcomes, I think, for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so the question is interesting because th- this the belief about the ability to which we can change or not has real impact in people's lives implications yeah yeah and so you want to understand this belief even if you're pretty sure that it's not true you want to understand why people think this way and how this belief manifests in people and yeah et well and you and i kind of had a we, we had a little conversation about this i think a minor one and and we talked about examples anecdotal examples in our lives of, of when changes happened and, and how that process kind of happened and um just my own experience with change i would say yeah, change is definitely possible. Yeah. Okay, so if you, I want to do a, a quick, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. You have to answer really quickly. You can't think too much about it. Crap. <laughs> okay. If you had to say, what's the single biggest predictor of major change, major and lasting change in someone's life? Um, commitment, willingness. Mm, interesting. Okay, elaborate a lot. I would say like a lot of people are, well, yeah, what is, what is commitment exact? Cause people, everybody, you know, signs up for a gym membership in January and then what, like 10% of people use it regularly. Yeah. you know. So I, you could say they're committed, but what, like what I, I'm committed, I'm joining the gym. That's not commitment. Okay. What is commitment? Commitment is going to the gym. Even when you're tired, even when you've got no gas in the tank, mm. even when you don't think you can do it, even though it sucks, even though it's hard, even though it's early in the morning. So how, how do you get that? Why, how come so many people struggle with that? Like what's, how do you be, how do you become committed to something hard? Mm. I, I, I think this, this comes in, there's a difference in, in what you were saying. Like I'm committed. I, I joined a gym. That's, that's not true commitment. You know, okay. it's just not, it's a step in the right direction. And it's maybe an aspect of commitment, but that's mm-hmm. not alone going to guarantee your outcome. But I think a lot of people identify a change they'd like to make, but I don't think that they're truly invested in bringing about that change. I suspect this has something to do with the word you used, um, willingness. Willingness, Because yeah. willingness implies that not only do you value the, the upside to whatever your commitment is, but you're willing to go through the downsides in order to get that upside. A hundred percent right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are not willing to do what they would have to do to change. And and that's not a judgment. I'm not judging them about like, you know, there's no inferiority. There's no, you know, I, there's no judgment there. It's just, I think a lot of people identify, you know, I, I have this problem in my life and, and I don't like it. And that's great that you've just identified an area to work on. Um, but then when it's actually pointed out, well, here's how you'll need to perform or behave in order to get rid of this problem in your life. They be, they suddenly kind of, it, it really brings up the question of willingness. Am I actually willing to do those things or am I more willing to tolerate this thing in my life? And I think a lot of people end up being more willing to tolerate that thing in their life, even though they don't, they don't like it rather than remove it. So, you know, it's, it's the stone in the shoe kind of, um, metaphor, right? What is that? Um, that a lot of people will complain or lament 
the stone in their shoe rather than stop, take their shoe off, take oh. the stone out, you mm-hmm. know, move on. And I think a lot of people, they'll tolerate the stone, you yeah. know, for a long time or maybe forever before they're willing to really stop maybe what they're doing, you know, go through the effort of unlacing their shoe, whatever it is, taking it off, you know, there's a process that they would have to go through in order to get rid of the problem. Um, it's a very simplistic metaphor, but, um, so the follow-up question is why, why are some people willing to make those difficult trade-offs? Cause I think other- they perceive the cost is too great. You know, it, it would, it would cost me too much to stop and take my shoe off. I might as well just keep going. Right. But what's different about those, the, the thirty percent of people who are willing to take the time to take their shoe off and get rid of the stone and the like what are the so what if willingness is the big factor overall, what are the little factors that contribute to someone being willing? Mm. Like do um, some people just have a greater tolerance for discomfort and hard things? Possibly. Yeah, I think there's a ton of variables that you know, greater tolerance for discomfort, greater tolerance for um Oh, if you're leaving the stone in the shoe, do you have a greater tolerance of dis? Is that <laughs> That's what you're a good saying? question. No, I, I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> but, so I guess but some yeah, that would work both ways. I guess or different or, tolerances for different kinds of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so, so so one person who can you might be the kind of person who can sit down and do algebra homework for three hours straight, and that's not. It's not your favorite thing, but it doesn't bother you that much. Right. But you can't the just stepping foot inside the gym is like. Ugh, just right. terrible. Right. But you could be the kind of person who you run 18 miles every day, um, but you can't go 15 minutes doing algebra homework. Yeah. Um, well, and I would, I would boil that down in many cases to, well, you're well-practiced in one area and not in another. And are you willing to take the steps in order to become more well-practiced in the other? Mm. This is weird. Cause now I've got a really simple philosophy that you don't like. Or that you're questioning. Wait, why is that weird? Because you're usually the most parsimonious person <laughs> in the room. The most delusionally simplistic. I can simplistic. see this like, look of disdain on your face right now. It's, it's entertaining. No, I, I think there's something to this, though. I think, because we have a lot of clients, I think, that show up, and they really have identified a problem or a change they'd like to make. Um, and as you guide them along that path, I think that they're constantly making a decision about do I participate or not? And I think a lot of people, you know, the, the steps along the way are difficult often with therapy. You know, I mean, it's hard to change patterns that are longstanding. It, it takes some effort and some awareness and some, you know, it's tedious in a lot of areas. It's not fun, you know, but to really engage therapy. Um, well, and I, and I, I think another quality is as a person's ability to, um, I don't know, I almost equate it to like a form of optimism where it's like, you know, I think, um, things will be better. Mm. And I think some people don't necessarily have that. Yeah. So I, um, when I was thinking about this question, I, I realized that I think there's two big factors that make significant lasting change hard for people. The first one is that it's just a complicated process. There are a lot, maybe willingness is the biggest factor, but there are a ton of factors. So I I just quickly, there's a a few things for any given change you want to make. Let's say it's going to the gym. 
There's knowledge. You got to know certain stuff. You got to be educated to some extent. There's repetition. You got to be able to do it over and over and over again. There's how rewarding or discouraging is something. Do you get rewarded for it? Do you get penalized for it? There's the degree to which you're aware of it, like mindfulness versus mindlessness in a given thing. There's what you were just talking about, self-efficacy. Like, do I have examples in my past where I've done difficult things, which gives me optimism about being able to do it in the future? Um, modeling, do you have examples of other people doing this in your life? There's all sorts of environmental factors. Like, I mean, a really obvious one I think is, if you think about it, most change, like major change, it's easier to do if you have a lot of money. <laughs> Like if you have money, if you're not stressed for yeah. money, it makes it a lot easier to make a lot of big changes. Your physical health, like the degree to which you have sort of physical or mental health makes it easier or harder. Um, then there's just like, we don't like to think about this, but randomness, like just random dumb luck plays a role too. So I think most most of us, we like, and I'm, I'm super guilty of this, we like simplistic one-to-one -one explanations for things like the thing here's the thing you know this self-help book promises the secret formula to change to changing all your habits right or to getting your diet this one diet you know but i think that's that's a delusion it's it's multifaceted there are hundreds of factors and and i think if you're for a major change and especially a major change that's going to persist we have to be clear-eyed about how complex that's going to be I agree, but I think I think you're still making a case for willingness because all of those things are going to require you to tolerate discomfort, sure, whatever it is, right? And so if you're willing to do those things, you're more likely to change. Right, but it's a chicken and egg problem too because your deg the degree to which you're willing to do hard things is mm -hmm. going to be affected by things like your optimism or self-efficacy or your knowledge about the situation or your environmental support. Hmm. Like that's going to affect the degree to which you're willing to do this. So I think the causality goes both ways. Okay. I'll have to think about that. Okay. I think you can be willing without those things too. Oh, you can, but so, it makes so it an way example. harder. <laughs> I, you're, you're right. You're right. And the difficulty is, I think, exactly correlated to willingness. Am I willing to go through difficulty? I think that's exactly what I'm talking about. I recently listened to this uh, podcast about these two students who were taking from uh, inner city schools and giving schol given scholarships to colleges, private colleges. One student um, really struggled, you know. He, they lacked the, um, I think, expertise and the history to be able to problem solve, um, solicit information, ask questions, you know, struggle, you know, look awkward, whatever it was, right? And ended up kind of failing out of the college. Um, their their cohort, though, the the other person was just more willing to say, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I'm going to go ask a bunch of questions, or I'm going to go check out the library and see if I can find a solution to this, you know. And and perhaps she that that person had better experiences in a history where they had problem solved and it worked out for them. I'll give you that. But there's still just a willingness to to struggle and a willingness to look awkward and a willingness to say, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I have no idea where to buy my books. Cause I mean, in, in one situation, the problem was, um, the student wasn't able to afford the books, Yeah, but the books were just sitting in the library 
And his friend told him, dude, I found out the books are in the library. Just go to the library. But the guy was like, I didn't know where the library was. And yeah. I didn't want to ask the yeah. question of, and so it was like, oh, but will, but, he's just okay. totally unwilling to be uncomfortable. But but willingness isn't, there's no gene for willingness. That that nope. person's unwillingness is is totally a function of their history and their learning and their environment growing up. Mm. Like there's no, I mean, I'm sure there are some like kind of innate temperamental things that go into, but, but mo, I, how could it be that most of that person, the difference in those two people's attitudes towards discomfort isn't to a large degree the result of their individual differences growing up? Oh, I no, I totally agree. I totally agree that, well, I, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. So that's my chicken and egg thing with willingness. Yeah. Like willingness influences your ability to be self-confident and do difficult things and tolerate. But yeah, but it's also influ- it's the product of all those things too. And I agree with you. And willingness at times tends to be almost an act of faith where it's just like, I'm going to see what happens here. Yeah, but you're, I, I totally agree. But your beliefs about uncertainty are a function of your environment. Do you grow up in an environment where uncertainty is a really terrible thing? Mm. You're not going to have willingness to like take a leap of faith, but do you? So it, it sounds like I am chalking willingness up to be more of a personality trait. No, I think that's what you're doing. No, I'm doing the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think you're it's saying bo- it's a set of, well, it's, it's, it's historical both. events it's and both. things like that. Yeah. You, you may start to have a personality that lacks willingness in general, but that's entirely a function of, you, you, do, you weren't born with that. Yeah. Th- that, that's a result of your history and your environment. Mm. Okay. So I think it's both. I, I think we're both kind of Yeah, I think we're, we're right there. Train. Um, we're close enough. Um, but, but I do think that definitely impacts change. Is, is, is someone's willingness, you know, right. to, and, and I think a lot of clients, you know, and, 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 and I like the idea of flu of, um, being fluid and seeing yourself as fluid too, because it can totally be that, you know, you jump into therapy, you identify the problem, you get to these tasks. And at that point, you're just, you're kind of not willing at that point mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And there's no judgment behind that, but that doesn't mean in two months you won't be or the next year you won't be. And, and some people take, I tell clients all the time, some people identify a change and then their orbit starts and they orbit the problem from kind of afar for a while. And then the circles get a little tighter and a little tighter. And finally they're, they're kind of drilling in on it. Some people need that kind of process. Some people just jump in and figure it out. And, and so, yeah. And as a therapist, it's, you really get a sense for the complexity because you can orbit for a long time and you finally hit on a variable. Right that makes the change that gets them into a closer orbit. And this is one point about change I definitely wanted to make is that you and I both also talked about experiences in our life where really minor things. Yeah. Caused huge change huge in change. us, you know? And so it, or catalyzed as, a, huge change. as a therapist that's infuriating and like inspiring all at the same time. It's like, I, you know, I've, I've seen people go through massive changes in, and, and when you ask them why it's like, the tiniest little event happened and, and there's this huge light bulb that went off. And so as a therapist, it's like, how do I get those light bulbs to go off more often? But then I've experienced the same thing where a tiny thing, an interaction here or there has just totally reframed huge segments of my thought process. And the, so people change. 
the more I do therapy, the more I realize my biggest weakness as a therapist is that I'm impatient. Like I love the belief <laughs> right. that like we have this like structure, like we know, like you said, we're in the business of behavior change, right? which kind of implies we've got the program. Like we, we've got the, <laughs> we've got, we've got the protocol. In. We've right. got to dial in. Right. <laughs> um, but like it, and in some ways we do, like we do have a lot of detailed knowledge over some of these factors, like mm-hmm. how rewards and punishments influence people's behavior. Like we've got learning theory is pretty like established. Sure. Um, but it's so complex that you really have to know that, you know, maybe 50% of the time, like you can get in there and make some pretty quick, efficient change, but it could be a long haul. Yeah. And it's, I think that's just, I don't know. I always have to remind myself of that. that it, and, and I've been in, in situations where a client comes back, you know, um, after a session and that a, a pretty remarkable change has happened. And and when I start asking why, they're like, oh, well, last week you said this. And I don't even remember making that comment. Or, or if I do remember, it was like, that was like in passing and kind of not the crux of what I was saying. But it landed in a way that, you know, and, and as again, it's like infuriating and inspiring. It's like, yeah. how did that? I don't know. So there are a lot of variables. But I do believe people change. Of course they change. I do too. Yeah.